Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I'm Mike Myshiro, your host, and this is Confessions of a Reformer. I'm stoked about the subject we're going to talk about today because it's been one that I'm quite passionate about and have been for most of my life, and it's also been a strain and struggle for many people that I've met over the years, and still to this day, it is a scary subject. So I'm excited to talk about it. It'll be interesting and fun. But before we get into that, um, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update. I was in Miami this past weekend. I was there for a training on leadership and organizational development and how to like take care of a group of people and lead them and specifically build up a geographical location um, in the entrepreneurship business arena. So that was super fun. Um, I did not spend any time on a single beach anywhere, even though I was in Miami. It's winter right now, right? So being there, it was like 75 and kind of muggy, uh, really different from the weather in Reading, but uh, pretty overcast. So I spent most of the time in the hotel that I was at. Not in a hotel room, but just in the facility. Anyway, it was, well, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. It was fun to connect with the people there. Um, one thing I do want to just throw in there as a random side note as I was reading this morning, um, one thing I'm super grateful of in the trajectory I've been on as a business owner is getting to spend time with other influencers, other leaders, other business people, successful business people. Um, it is powerful to be in a room that you had to qualify to be in and to spend time and communi- like connecting with people who have paid a price for what they have for who they are, what they're building, what they're responsible for, that they're accountable to other people. Those kinds of people, it's a game changer to spend time with them. They care about who they are and what they're offering, that when they speak, there's value coming out of them. They they conduct themselves with honor and integrity and character, and they're typically pretty socially adept, and it's so rewarding to engage with these people and have conversations. So that's been a huge bonus that I did not anticipate. I think I'd been told that your association would increase and it'd be beneficial and all that, but to experience it is, man, such a game changer. The people you spend your time with really influence what's what you're capable of and what you end up accomplishing in your life. So I'm really grateful to get to spend time in rooms like that. Anyway, um, let's get into today's subject, shall we? Um, today we are talking about dun, 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 finances. Um, I guess I want to say money, but money is too broad of a subject. We're going to talk about personal finance, budgeting, Income, expense, debt, that kind of thing, which I know immediately for a lot of you, you're already shutting off your hearts. You're already like about to swipe out of the, the podcast. Don't do that. I promise this won't be boring. This is not going to be like one of those things where we're just going to talk numbers. We will talk about numbers, but we'll talk about them in an emotional way because this subject is an emotional subject. My goodness. All right. Um, so I've been mentoring people, specifically the millennial age group for at least the past five years, but also a bit longer than that. Before then, um, there's an, been an official like mentoring thing going on there. And one thing I've noticed every year with almost everyone on my team um, is that money is an issue for 
everybody. Whether they have too much of it, they don't know what to do with it, they don't have enough, they're afraid of it, they hate it, they feel oppressed by it, whatever. Every person has an emotional relationship with the subject of money. And then there's a whole other narrative going on in their like who they are when it comes to money. How they manage it, what they're worth, what they should be doing with it, that kind of thing. There's all this stuff lying around around that subject. <clears throat> and so as a responsible mentor who cares about the people that I'm leading and wants to see them thrive and succeed in their life, I couldn't just overlook the subject of money. I, we had to talk about it. And I was like, I can't just, like, I can't teach these people about spirituality and following Jesus and making an impact on the world and leave the subject of money out of the conversation. I was like, we have to actually have this conversation. And I wasn't as excited about it initially. I loved talking about it, but I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to lead other people who didn't care about it in a way that would be productive and beneficial for them. I thought I was gonna deal with a lot of drama, a lot of pushback, a lot of lack of discipline, um, fear, whatever. And in my delight and surprise, that has not been the case. Every year that I've been mentoring people, they've been so hungry for teaching and training and insight on how to manage their money, their income, their resources. They've all been very hungry and engaged and desirous of this. Um, and I think a lot of that desire came from a lack of education growing up. They just weren't taught. Their, whether it was their parents or their teachers or their mentors or whomever, either didn't teach them or they tried and at the age range they were at, they didn't care. Or there was emotional drama going on or whatever. At this point, they were all very interested. So I spent a lot of energy and time trying to convey and create concepts for especially a younger generation <laughs> On how to relate to money, I am no expert in this by any means. Um, I mean, I have got my finances under control. I'm thriving and prosperous, so there's that credibility, I suppose. But I don't consider myself an expert on the matter or like an authoritative figure. I just have results that I think people would benefit from as well. So I've just been teaching them what I know and what I've experienced and also trying to plug them into other tools and resources that I found helpful along the way as well. Um, to the point where it actually graduated to this last year, I created a course, a five-week, sorry, a five-session course called Unscrewing Your Finances. Um, and so that's actually a course that's available on MikeMyShow.com if you want to go check it out. That's there. It's a five-session course. I think it's about an hour each session going through the different aspects of our relationship with money, our emotional connection. What does it mean to us? What can we do with it? How do we leverage this thing to get it to be productive and prosperous rather than you know, something that's tumultuous and depressing and sucking the life out of us? Um, and then specifically just laying some foundation for building wealth down the road. But the whole premise and focus of that course is just to get out of the hole and to get going in the right direction. And so whether you're in debt, you're broke, you're afraid, you're out of control, or you've got money, you're doing okay, but you want to do better with it, those are, that's the audience that this course was for. So anyway, there's that shameless plug. Um, but with that, there's been a lot of dialogue and a lot of recognition on what's clicking for people and what doesn't, the common pitfalls, the things that people are afraid of, things that they do well with and respond well to. So I want to talk about that a little bit here. And then I also want to let you guys know about something that's coming up um, in the new year here at NUMA that I'm so excited to announce. This will be the first time I'm telling anybody anywhere in the world about this, outside of my team, obviously. So I'm excited to get to share that with you guys. Stay tuned, because that'll be coming later in this episode. All right, so when we talk about money, you guys, we are basically describing our relationship with what we think we're worth, um, what we've been shown is possible, what we believe about the nature of God, and basically what the world is like. Our money, our bank account, is a reflection of our relationship and our beliefs when it comes to prosperity and abundance or lack and poverty, right? 
Um, and sometimes many of us are a mixture of both in certain ways. And so it can be kind of confusing to sort through what's good and what's not in the way that we manage numbers. Um, but I want to start off this conversation or maybe continue this conversation um, with a story. <clears throat> so um, growing up, my parents have been really intentional and responsible in like, you know, raising my sisters and myself, instilling character and other and like values into us to make sure that we were participating and contributing to our, our environment with like bringing value and actually serving where we were rather than just taking and like looking for the most convenient, satisfying, immediately gratifying experience. Um, so I learned that stuff from a young age, which I'm grateful for. Um, but on the subject of money, my parents definitely um, had their relationship pronounced and exercised in our household. So I was given the message. My parents didn't necessarily tell me this in English, but I was demonstrated a message that money was hard to come by. We didn't have a ton of it, and whatever we did have, we had to make last, right? So we didn't do a lot of like frivolous spending. We weren't exactly like um, generous in the way that we lavished our lifestyle, um, which I had an appreciation for on some level, and then you know, it's kind of painful and a bummer in other ways, right? Um, but I learned from a young age that money was scarce, that there wasn't enough of it and you had to work really hard to get it and you wanted to keep it as long as you could, right? And get it to last as long as possible, which obviously affects the way you spend your money, the kinds of products you buy, the quality of life you live, the quality of the things that you're consuming. You make a lot of those judgment calls based on price point rather than value or quality. And so as I started going on a journey with the Lord, and as he continued to confront this poverty lack thing in my life and lead me into an, a, a prosperous place, which he's been really intentional with from the get-go. Like, I will get into that in a moment. Anyway, from that journey, I started realizing that my values had to change in order for me to upgrade the economy in my personal life. So if I wanted my finances to, <laughs> my finances to increase, I needed to change my relationship with the way that I used finances, right? Um, and a lot of us think, well, when I get thousands and thousands of dollars, then I'll start choosing to think differently and operate differently once I've got a huge, you know, security blanket or whatever. And I'm here to tell you right now, while that is an exception and sometimes that can happen, by and large, for the most part, that is not going to happen. The reason people increase their finances and get get wealth in their life is because they learned how to steward it when they didn't have enough, when there wasn't a ton of it going on. Um, not that lack is necessary, but they learned how to steward what little they did have. They learned values and principles and mindsets and attitudes on how they manage this stuff. And from that little stewardship, that um, grew and increased to the point where they could actually handle more. And then the world had to pay them more because of the value they were bringing to the world. That's a spiritual law. It's called the law of compensation or sowing and reaping. It's a big deal. I don't have time to get into that today. I should probably do an episode on that, actually, because that's a game changer. But yeah, let's put that on the list. But um, that being said, if you're faithful with a little bit, you'll be faithful with a lot. If you're not faithful with a little bit, you will not be faithful with a lot. Um, that's just law. It's the way that this works. So a lot of us, I think, tend to like hope and dream and wish that at some point down the road we'll win the lottery, we'll be handed an inheritance, or whatever will happen, and we'll just have a chunk of money to work with. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen because it does, but it is an exception. By and large, for the most part, the majority of people are experiencing lack, not because they didn't get this big breakthrough, but because their beliefs are twisted and reduced to poverty and lack, and that's what they're most aware of. When you continue to focus on what you don't have or what's difficult or hard or when there's not enough, that's what you're going to continue to experience. When you can renounce 
that narrative and you can let go of the fear you've been sold and convinced of and you can start opening up to possibility and allowing the idea of prosperity and abundance and more than enough to come into your thinking that's when you start to change the way that you operate the the choices you make the things you're willing to consider the risks you're willing to take and from those choices then the results that show up will start to be different as well it is game changing when you start operating like that especially if you're so used to the lack thing so that being said i can't get into a ton of that today but if you guys are interested in that Definitely check out that Unscrewing Your Finances course I mentioned. It would be worth going through. It is game-changing for people who want it, all right? <clears throat> all right, so anyway, going down that road, I, as I continued to change my beliefs and attitude about money, I started experiencing a lot more of it in my life, and I also started changing the things that I bought. So I didn't buy a ton of crappy things. I started being more selective and intentional about the things I did buy, and all of my expenditures started turning more into investments. And I stopped... You know what? I actually need to edit this a little bit. I was never frivolous with my spending. I didn't just ever spend it on whims and like impulses and things I just wanted to feel good in the moment. Uh, That was actually really rare for me because remember I learned that there wasn't a ton of money. So the precious money I did have, I used for things that I thought were valuable. A lot of my friends, like if we went to summer camp, a lot of my friends would blow all this cash on the snack shack all week, right? And they would like spend 20 to 30 to 50 bucks on snacks for the week. And I didn't buy any snacks, which I'm not proud of, but I saved the money my parents gave me for snacks for the week and pocketed it and put it into my savings and used that toward a bigger purchase down the road. So I just continued to amass a larger sum of money that I could invest in a bigger deal that mattered more to me because I was looking for long-term results. I didn't want to just feel good in a moment. I didn't want to just eat the food then because I wasn't hungry. They fed us at camp. I didn't need snacks, right? It was more of a social emotional eating experience that I was like, I can do without that. I want the bigger picture, right? Which I didn't realize back then, the delayed gratification thing is actually a practice of the wealthy. People who manage a ton of influence and money and resources are very good at delaying their gratification, at putting off the things they want, knowing that if they um, follow discipline and structure and intentionality, the things they genuinely desire can come later because they discipline themselves in the short term, right? And so we give up the immediate gratification to go after and engage with the long-term actual desires we have. So many people don't ever get to see their full desire come to pass because they, I want to say, I'm going to say this word and I'm using it for, um, what's the word? For an effect. They piss away their foundation for their future on immediate impulses in their day-to-day lives. That's on your Starbucks every day. That's on, you know, I don't know, you know the things. Spending money on things that don't actually matter, that you don't need. I'm not saying you live in debasement and like lack and poverty, but you live with intentionality and you refrain because of vision, not because of fear, right? The, the restraint is beautiful and powerful when it's coming from intentionality and love. When it's coming from fear and lack, you're screwing yourself over, right? So anyway, that being said, um, I started noticing that I stopped just like investing my money on these big purchases. I also started shifting over the kinds of products I was buying as well. So the kind of quality of toothpaste, the kind of you know, shampoo, the kind of clothes, like those kinds of things started to upgrade and I was less looking at price point anymore and I started more looking at ingredients and results and quality and last the lasting effect and what was it gonna do in my health or my lifestyle long term, right? And so my thinking started to shift and what I didn't realize until later was that thinking shifting in me was actually an agreement with abundance in my life with more than enough. And so it was actually an act of faith to buy something that was maybe twice as expensive 
as whatever I normally would buy because I wanted the results and I knew that the results would be better with this product, right? It was investing in me that I was actually worth the extra expenditure because the quality was a, a value at this point. Um, people who are under a spirit of poverty or lack don't think this way. And it's why they're under the thing. They continue to buy as many as, of whatever they want as they can for as little as little cost as possible. They're not concerned about quality or duration or effect. They're looking for just can it meet the need immediately? Can it just get this off my list? Can I just get that thing taken care of? You know what I mean? You see this a lot in nutrition. Like people will spend a lot less money on a lot more food or whatever. Um, and typically the cheaper it is, the less nutritional value it has as well, right? If you buy something in a box or a can or through a window, the nutritional value of that thing is going to be shot pretty much. It's basically dead food. It's not going to add any nutritional value to your body, which is not great, right? And you don't want to know this stuff. You're like, God, this is horrible because organic is expensive, right? When you like buy produce and you actually like, go out of your way to cook your food and eat clean, like it's a lifestyle choice. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes money. It's expensive to people who don't have a value for that. Um, but as I started shifting that stuff over, that stuff started to change. And I started realizing like, you know what? I'm worth shifting over the way that I buy the things that I'm buying and what I'm putting in my body, right? And the things that I'm using to supplement my lifestyle. Um, anyway, that thinking shift was the result of agreeing with abundance and prosperity. I'm going to pause and take a moment and just let you guys know, if you haven't already, this would be a great opportunity for you to subscribe to my podcast. Um, I'm sure you're gonna to wanna to hear the other episodes that come out later down the road. So if you subscribe, you'll be updated on that. Um, be sure to join us for that. And also, if you guys wanna give this episode a like, and even if you wanna give a five-star review on this podcast, my team and I would sure appreciate it. If it's not in your heart, please don't do it. But if you genuinely enjoy and appreciate this podcast, we'd love your support there. Thanks. Anyway, um, okay, so going into talking about money with people, um, I we had to get to the emotional aspect of this. Um, and a lot of the financial books that I've read have been very helpful in um, addressing the fact that money is an emotional game. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that, but it's definitely something that I'm saying. Like money is an emotional game. You do this with based on how you feel. Most people make their purchasing decisions on the emotion they're feeling in the moment. Whether it's an investment strategy, um, what kind of food you're going to buy for the week, what kind of movie you're going to see, obviously, right? Um, where you want to live, what, where you're going to go for dinner, that kind of stuff. Those decisions are typically made from an emotional place. And then later down the road, the purchasing power, the price point becomes relevant after the decision that you wanted it was cleared up, right? <clears throat> so anyway, as we start to learn the psychology behind how we manage our money and the reasons why, and we start learning how to shift over and allowing prosperity to inform how we choose to manage this stuff, our lifestyle starts to increase. It starts to elevate. And the weirdest thing happens, you guys, when you change your lifestyle, the kinds of people you end up associating with also will start to change. It won't happen overnight. But eventually, it'll be really painful and difficult to hang out with your broke friends if you continue to change your lifestyle and your mindset to prosperity. Their lifestyle, their values, their attitudes will no longer be acceptable to you. And you'll realize it's really painful and expensive to spend time with people who are living in that kind of an economy to the point where eventually it's not worth it anymore. I'm not saying that loyalty has no value here and that we don't want to care for these people or have a relationship with them. I'm saying the amount of time you spend with them and what they influence your mind with starts to become something you take into an account. You start to recognize the kinds of people I spend my time with are affecting the quality of life I get to live. And I'm going to be a little more intentional and curate my friend group or my association. And I want to spend time with people who have values that I want to walk out. We're going to continue to con like contribute to the repetition I want to experience in my life to build habits and lifestyle choices that are going to sustain and support what's in my heart. 
the dreams I want to build, the things I want to accomplish, the kind of effect I want to have on the world, the influence I want to have, right? That stuff, if that matters to you guys, you need to be more selective about the kinds of people that spend time with you, who get access to your space and your time. Um, man, I spent a lot of my early life spending time with people who had like low self-image, didn't love themselves because my self-image was pretty low, right? And so that was the kinds of people, those are the kinds of people I was attracted to and that I drew to myself. And I spent a lot of time in those circles, which hit my like ministry, Christian ego button. Man, I was getting that itch scratched every day and I felt so fulfilled, but I was also drained. I was getting really tired and exhausted all the time. And it took years for me to notice it was actually having a toll on my life. <clears throat> but it, was, it wasn't until I started associating with people who didn't need me as much and more appreciated who I was and had a value for me rather than what they were going to get out of the relationship that my value started to shift and change. And as I started recognizing the effect it was having on my life, it started to like help me understand this isn't about, like every relationship I have isn't supposed to be one of ministry. I'm supposed to have friends. I'm supposed to have people I can run with, people I can build with, right? People who can like add value to me, that iron can sharpen iron, right? That we can sharpen each other. I need people in my life who can sharpen me, not just take from me or receive from me or hoist me on their shoulders, right? So that was a journey I had to go on. But that again is also a reflection of the value I thought I was worth, like what I possessed, right? Um, and so that will reflect your money and the way you spend your stuff. Um, Anyway, so that being said, when it comes to the money conversation, there are so many things that need to change in order for us to experience the abundance, um, and it starts in our hearts. It starts with our beliefs and our attitudes. If you actually believe you can have more, you're going to have to change the way you use your money now. Like, you're going to have to stop eating at Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm not saying you can't go there every once in a while, but listen, Taco Bell is not nutrition. You are not being fed, like nutrients your body can actually use to function properly. And if you eat that kind of stuff on a regular basis, your body's going to eventually shut down. If you're younger, you won't notice it right away. Your body won't, you know, is, has enough vitality. It'll continue to produce well and you'll recover fast and all that. The later in life you get, the more difficult it is for your body to actually handle that kind of input. Your, when your body gets the proper nutrition it needs, it's incredible what it can do, how it can heal itself, what it's capable of doing, the regeneration, all that stuff. It's amazing, but it needs legitimate building blocks to actually pull off that kind of an effect. Um, I know you young people listening to this don't have a huge value for that yet. Let me just tell you this um, in advance because I had some people in my life who told me this when I was younger and thank the Lord I listened to them and I'm grateful because my goodness, the level of energy I sustain on a regular basis right now, I am grateful for. Uh, people around me are like, I don't know how you live your life. I don't know how you do what you do. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I still have things I have to manage. But um, by and large, my energy is a sustained um, solid level throughout the day every day because of the nutrition I put in my body, the kinds of food that I eat, and then the supplements that I take, the, the rest that I get, the schedule I maintain, all those factors actually support my ability to live the lifestyle that I want to be living. You know what I mean? You don't think about this when you're young, but as you get older, the energy supply your body is generating starts to become a little bit more of a question mark. How much energy do you have? How much mental clarity do you have? How much focus do you have? How well does your memory retain information? Those are all factors based on the nutrition. You're your mental clarity is actually based on your gut health. And most people don't know this. This is so off topic. Anyway, all these decisions are based on money. It's shocking. I was like, I remember when I was an employee for the first time in this big major professional job that I got, um, many people were making decisions on their healthcare and like whether, whether they'd go to the doctor or the dentist or whatever, based on their insurance and their budget for the year, not based on what their body needed. And it was so weird. And as I had these conversations about like insurance things and things that need to be done, they imposed on me and assumed that I wouldn't do this operation or this have this procedure or whatever done this year because my copay wasn't enough and obviously I'd wait till next year or my deductible or whatever. And I was shocked that they just assumed that of course I would wait and put this thing off for another year. I'm like, you want me to 
sit with this thing in my mouth, this like tooth problem for another year until I can afford this? That's crazy. Why not just afford this now? And because I have to be that person for the next year. I've got to live with this problem for a year. Like that's, you know what I mean? And so I was shocked at this, the state people were in and the mentality they lived at because of money. It was shocking. And so as you start to get real life experience on realizing the decisions that people make and that most of those decisions are dictated by the money they have in their bank account, it's shocking when like people don't spend time and energy to learn how to shift their relationship with money when they actually could. And it would free up the choices they make and the options they have and the kind of lifestyle they can live and their ability to take care of their natural needs and then obviously being able to contribute to other people. All right, so that's, wow, so a tangent that I wasn't planning on going down. But that being said... Um, there are so many little games that I started playing with myself as a kid to like incentivize earning more money, um, having more buying power, being able to invest in that video game system or that new latest video game that came out or going on this trip or, you know, things that I want to invest in back then. Um, it was really fun for me. And what I didn't realize was the discipline and the continued investment in myself that I would make with all the money that would come across me at whatever points, whether it was birthdays or odd jobs or whatever, before I was allowed to have a job, um, that journey was actually so much more rewarding and more fun for me than actually buying the thing. Don't get me wrong, I still bought the thing and I enjoyed the thing, but the level of pleasure and the amount of euphoria I experienced, um, actually, there were, more of it came from the process of choosing to restrain and invest in myself day after day than actually buying the thing that I was working toward. The restraint and the discipline was more rewarding than the reward. How weird is that, you guys? But I'm telling you from experience, from doing this so many different times, that's absolutely true. When you make conscious, intentional choices to line up with your value system, your self-esteem increases, your confidence increases, you start to feel good about yourself, your trust in yourself increases. So it's not just like you getting this thing that you bought that makes you feel good. That's true. You get a little bit of a high off that, which is great. I love that. Uh, Reward at the end of the rainbow or the tunnel or the bridge or wherever you're across going across is worthwhile don't get me wrong however you as a person getting to look at yourself in the mirror and have self-respect know when you say something to somebody that you're going to fulfill that and that people start to trust and believe your word in your environment the the reward that comes from that is so much more fulfilling than buying that video game system or going on that vacation or whatever seriously and that reward continues to pay out day after day after day after day after day after day no matter what your bank account says it's incredible. And so it, that applies in everything, right? But including money. So I discovered on accident, the intentional restraint I made for the vision and the long-term goals I had actually caused me as a person to increase in quality. It was not my goal. I didn't expect that, but it definitely happened. And I was like, wait, this is actually way more worthwhile to me. And so now I'm kind of addicted to personal development. I love it because it's euphoric. It's so rewarding. And I feel bad for people who don't have a value for disciplining themselves with their finances, with their time, with their relationships or whatever, um, because they're missing out on so much fulfillment and euphoria that life has to offer. Their body literally chemically reacts to taking care of themselves and making choices that will set them up for success down the road. Um, This conversation ended up being more about like discipline than money, but obviously that is relevant applies to the money conversation. but so I want to tell you guys a story. I, I think I told you this on another episode, but I want to mention it here too, because it's something that I've practiced so many times. And this is one recent, more obvious example. Um, I wanted to go on this trip to go to this convention to learn about this certain kind of marketing strategy and system that this guy created. I was really intri- intrigued and like really liked it. I really loved what he was doing in the marketing world. But it was like $1,000 for the ticket. 
and another uh, almost thousand for the actual trip expenses and all that. So I think it ended up being about twenty five hundred dollars for the whole trip. I think that's true. Um, and I was like, I was like, I want to go. This is expensive, and it was like going to be a seven day trip because the event itself was like five days. So I needed two travel days. Right? I was like, shoot, a week away from everything I'm doing right now. That would be expensive for me, time wise. Um, but I was like, I want to go. I think this will be worth it. Long term, this will be worthwhile. So here's what I'm going to do in order to make this worth it. I'm going to create an extra income stream to pay for this trip entirely. So none of the expenses from this trip are going to come out of my current budget. It'll come out of something new that I created. That will be worthwhile to me. And plus, I love the challenge. It feels inspiring. That'll be fun. Um, so I sat there for about um, and a couple hours just processing through it. I was inspired and started putting some stuff together. Um, and then a week later, I executed and within a week to a week and a half of that idea to execution, I had generated $5,000, um, which I was super pleased with. It was super fun. Um, not because of the money. It was more just like looking at the value that was being recognized. Um, and obviously, I paid for the trip. I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I'm going. So as soon as that happened, I bought my plane tickets, bought my ticket to the event, whatever. I was like, I guess I'm going to the event, which was awesome. The crazy thing is um, the, the income stream I built was a subscription. And so it continued to pay me every month after that as well. Um, multiple thousand dollars every month from that same thing. And I was like, shoot. And so this year, I don't know, this is weird to talk about, but I made over $30,000 on, on creating that thing. And I did that so I could go on a $2,500 trip. You know what I mean? And so the thing is like the trip was worth it and I'm grateful I went and it was super worthwhile. However, the thing that was more rewarding from that little process was what I engaged in and like grabbed onto that I had available to me already and put to work that was so much more rewarding than going on the trip itself. You know what I mean? And that's just like where I'm at in my life right now. This goes all the way back to like, if you're a five-year-old and you get like $5 here and $2 there, whatever, from whatever, and you hold on to it, you don't just blow it on stuff, but you invest and you invest and you, you save it, you save it and save it until you get enough to buy that trampoline for the backyard or that stuffed animal that you want or whatever. If, it, if a child is buying this stuff, um, what that child will learn and the discipline they're going to get to experience and the reward that will come from it is so much more valuable than the stuffed animal or the trampoline right? And as, you, as they engage that economy within themselves, the reward is insane. It's incredible how much more payback there is beyond the one thing that they bought or the next thing or the next thing or the next thing. So that being said, um, you guys, I want to tell you about this super cool thing that we're launching out of NUMA um, starting January 1st. Um, it's something I've been doing with some people on my team for the last six months. I started with two, uh, with three people. Two of them went through the whole thing with me, and then we now are currently going through phase two with a bunch of other people on my team. It's the Unscreen Your Finances group. Um, and so now we're, because of the testing and the marketing and the um, results we've been able to get, we're going to open this up to you guys. So people that want to engage in this and start to develop some of those practices and those disciplines in their own life regarding their finances now, whether you need to get out of debt or learn how to like, get your budget under control or start an investment strategy or savings or whatever, start going toward the things you want to be investing in. Any of those three types of people, this is for you. Okay. Um, basically what's going to happen is we're going to have a monthly group, a service you're going to subscribe to, and you're going to meet with the unscreen your finances coaches that I'm personally have trained myself. You'll get a, I don't know if there's, You'll get a one-hour coaching session every month individually, like a one-on-one coaching session to go over your actual finances, but then you're also going to have a group that you're going to be going through this with as well, where you're going to be incentivized and with the community of people all going after getting your finances under control, unscrewing them, if you will. Um, so you have the support of other people. You have um, ideas, strategies, tools consistently um, fed to you, and then you'll also be working with a coach every month to make sure that your habits and choices are being lined up with what you actually want in your 
budgeting world. Super helpful, super engaging. I know every year for New Year's, I'm stoked about like going over my numbers and then hitting new goals for the next year, right? I know some of you guys care about that as well. Some of your numbers might be, ooh, I want to get out of debt this year, or I want to cut my debt in half, or I want to like have $10,000 by the end of this year that I can save for, for a trip, or to put into an investment strategy, or to build a business, or whatever your goals are. Um, I would love for you guys to capitalize on this new year, starting a new decade, and start getting your your finances under control. This would be a killer opportunity for you to get the support you need, the direction, and the guidance to be able to start putting those things into practice now. If you're interested in checking that out, email us at contact at mikemyashiro.com and just say unscrewing your finances group in the subject line. We will get you set up and taken care of. Um, I'm so excited for this um, new rollout. I can't wait to see the kinds of people that are going to show up and the numbers because we're going to track all the stats. I'm so excited to get to compare where they started at and by the end of the year where the numbers are then. The transformation is going to be remarkable, you guys. It's going to be so worthwhile and it's so much fun. Don't get me wrong. It is emotional. You'll probably cry because every person I've worked with in this group on my team, well, every person, at least 95% of the people we've worked with in this have cried. Some of them multiple times <laughs> because of the pain, because of the fear, the shame, the I'm the only one. I'm never going to figure this out. I don't understand this. This is too hard. It's too big. All that's emotional, you guys. It's beliefs. If they had the right support and the tools in place and they had the, the plan, they could see how to do it. Actually, those mountains start to shrink. It stops being intimidating or overwhelming and the shame starts to go away. You don't have to like hide and pretend like everything's fine when actually you know, financially you're bleeding out, you actually could start getting that stuff into the light and getting it sorted. And it's incredible how much easier it is to breathe, how exciting it is to wake up in the morning when you don't have all that stuff weighing you down. Worthwhile, join us for that. Again, contact at mikemyshow.com in the subject line, unscrewing your finances group. All right, um, this concludes today's episode. You guys, we're running out of time, so I'm gonna wrap this up. But thank you so much for listening. Um, Again, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review if it's in your heart. We'd love five stars. That'd be super helpful. yeah, and if you guys have any questions, please feel free to email us as well. Just we'd love to, you know, hear who's interested in this stuff. We want to help those people. It's not for everyone, but for the people who are in that place and want help, we want to work with you guys. Um, yeah, so thanks for checking that out, and we will see you next time. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.